Hello. Welcome to Europhile. We've made it. What? This is the sixth <laughs> week. Week six. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of us. Thank you. And here we are. I'm proud of you too. I'm Kate Walker. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Catherine Rory. Woo. Kate. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> How was your week? Well, it is like Halloween weekend. Mm -hmm. So I've been watching. Like you said last week, I've been watching not scary movies, but Halloween <laughs> right. type movies. Yeah. I watched this really cute movie. It's called With Veronica Lake, which I've never seen anything with her in it. And it's I don't called think I have. I Married a Witch. And it was like just so fun. How and fun. It, it's sort of yeah. like almost the beginning of Bewitched, I feel like. It's sort of like okay. maybe it, How cute. they did that and then Bewitched sort right. of got inspired by it. I don't know. But I yeah, it was really Bewitched. fun. Mm -hmm. cute. What about you? Cute. My dad's birthday is on Halloween, so we just had a nice dinner. My sister made a beautiful pasta dish that basically could invoke tears in someone. It's that <laughs> delicious. And it was just really nice to kind of put on makeup for the first time oh my in God. months and put on something cute and just have a nice dinner with yes. cocktails and charcuterie it was really fun she's a great thing so it is my week this mm -hmm. week it's my topic shall we dive in yes <laughs> please i'm ready so i told kate ahead of time as always that the topic is the netherlands today but again i didn't tell you this kate once again here we are bopping around oh, all over okay <laughs> germany france england etc okay so today i'll be telling you about matahari who was a woman that i've heard of but i didn't know anything about and that she sounds was so familiar i know and i was like i don't really know why i know this name because mm -hmm. it's certainly not something you would learn in High school. Okay. She was an exotic dancer slash courtesan <gasps> slash spy from the Netherlands. <gasps> oh my god, yeah. fun. Really fun. Okay. Mm -hmm. We can dive into her very juicy life yes. that ended very tragically. Okay. Unfortunately. She was I'm born excited. on August 7th. <gasps> my birthday! 1876! Happy birthday! <laughs> 1876. So, okay. Leo energy. Yes. In the belly yes. pump. So, I mean, a couple of decades later, she's a spy during World War One. So that's the Good. era that we're working with here. <laughs> we love to see it. Resistance. I know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mata Hari was born Margarita Gertrude Zell yes, she on was. August 7th, yes, she was. 1876. Oh, God, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was very spoiled, born to a wealthy hatter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she had a miniature phaeton, which is like a carriage maid. Yes. And it was pulled by oh. goats. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Little fancy girl in a carriage being pulled around by goats. <laughs> Ponies who? Who needs them? You need a phaeton and goats. It's <laughs> too funny. Her mother passed away when she was in her early teens, and her father went bankrupt, mm -hmm. and he abandoned his daughter, running off with another woman. So here she is oh, already, trash. you know, okay. early teen, what's going to happen to mm -hmm. me? 
She was sent to live with distant relatives and they kind of just shipped her off to a school to learn how to become an educator. Okay. It was there that one of her, another girl with her at school called her an orchid amongst the dandelions. 15 years old and already has it. Olive skin, dark hair. Everyone bores her. She's really smart. I love and her. She, has, she just has the it factor. Okay. Yeah. She's so fun. And she was expelled when she was 16 because she had an affair with her headmaster. No. <laughs> well, and I mean, by ooh, now, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, and someone else in my research, it was like, she had an affair with him. Other people are like, did he abuse yeah. her? I think people That's just stick to say. the more fun but, narrative. Yeah, fun narrative, yeah. So by now she's 16, kicked out of school, living in The Hague, and is trying to get out of the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. She's just wants adventure and is looking for something more. So she does what was very common at the time. She places an ad for marriage in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. I'm a single young woman. Isn't that crazy that that's a normal thing to do? Yeah. By doing... (laughs) by doing tinder or something it really isn't that different i guess that's true you're right you know at least you can see someone's face well unless they're catfishing but yeah (laughs) that's so funny maybe she did post a photo in there i don't really know how it works but she placed an ad and she meets captain rudolph mcleod of the dutch colonial army Mm. who is stationed in indonesia so she's like Here's my ticket. Let's go have a wild, fun time in Indonesia. They meet, and six days later, they're engaged. They get married in 1895, and according to the newspapers, the bride wore yellow. Is this me? (laughs) I know. I love her. Oh, my God. Unfortunately, Captain McLeod was capital A asshole. 20-something years older than her. Mm -hmm. Abusive verbally, physically, gambler, jealous, had a million affairs, Mm -hmm. which she did too. Okay. But, you know, a guy can do that stuff, but a woman could not. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, He contracted syphilis, which he called diabetes. Okay, That's not the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't work that way. That's too funny. Unfortunately, gave it to her. Yeah. And then they had two children, and then they had it through that as well. This is a crazy little story right here. Okay. Their son died very young at the age of two, and allegedly because he was poisoned by the maid. So I guess Captain McLeod, I guess, somehow was responsible for the maid's boyfriend or husband going to jail. And so in order to get back at them... She soaked hair in poison, cut it up into little pieces, put it in rice, and gave it to the children. And the daughter survived, but the son died of poisoning. Oh my god, that's wild. Isn't that nuts? That is wild. Captain McLeod blamed his wife, Margarita, yeah. for this. Yeah. And he's just a rake and a terrible guy. Yeah. So he was like, I don't want anything to do with you. I'm going to leave you and I'm taking our daughter with me. So now here she is, penniless, doesn't have, and he, and they eventually get a divorce. Mm-hmm. So her son died, and her daughter was taken away by this asshole mm-hmm. of uh, ex-husband. She decides to go to Paris because she thought that's the perfect place to reinvent herself. 
And then within a year, she is in all of the newspapers. Everyone's freaking mm-hmm. out about her. So clearly, she just knew what she had. Like in society pages? Yeah. Okay. Because she becomes a performer, a dancer. She would perform at private parties. She'd perform at theaters. Okay. She is such a Leo. <laughs> right. I think she started off as a sex worker. Okay. And maybe she still did some of that, but she was Mm -hmm. like a, she was a courtesan. She was, you know, raking in the dough Mm -hmm. and she loved it. Mm -hmm. She loved this extravagant lifestyle. But Mm -hmm. also when you think about it, she has no money. She has no family. She's divorced. How else do you support yourself? She's empowering herself. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. In that day and age, you had to do what you had to do, basically. Absolutely. She decided here to reinvent herself as an exotic woman. I mean, she was tan and had dark eyes. That's, quote, exotic enough, I guess. Sure. Yeah. She would lie and say that her mom was an Indian princess. And she would sneak into the harems of Indonesia and let she learn their sacred sexual dances. And stuff like that. Just make up all this stuff. Okay. And she had these amazing costumes that we'll show you all. Okay. Like beaded bras and headdresses and veils that she would slowly strip off herself as her performance (laughs) went on. And she was like wiggling around on the floor. Uh You can imagine it, how fun. Yeah. And the newspapers couldn't get enough. No one could get enough. People said that it was more enticing than the dancers at the Moulin Rouge. Colette had seen Uh her perform. Uh So like fun upper echelons of society in Paris were just obsessed Mm -hmm. with her. So she loved being wealthy and extravagant. She also loved military men, and that is Mm. kind of what would get her into trouble later. She said, I have never loved any but officers. Oh, (laughs) she has a type. Yes, precisely. She decides to go to Berlin. Okay. She was going to be performing at the Metropole. Mm-hmm. And she had all of her stuff with there. I think she was probably planning to be there for a while. Mm-hmm. And then in August 1914, World War I mm-hmm. breaks out. Because she's considered a French citizen, the Germans confiscate everything of hers. They take the money that she has, all of her expensive mm-hmm. clothing, jewelry, everything. So once again, she's broke. Terrible timing, going to Germany. I know. Really bad timing. Yeah. This is when accounts really start to differ. There's so many different ways Mm -hmm. the story could go. She goes to The Hague. She goes back to the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And she starts dating a German officer named Karl Kromer in fall of 1915. So a year after Mm -hmm. the war. And he is an agent for the Kaiser Secret Service. He hires her to seduce and gather secrets from French officials for 20,000 francs. So obviously she's broke. So she's like, hmm, Mm -hmm. this is a tempting offer. Mm -hmm. But she also loves France because that's Mm -hmm. where she was killing it. Mm -hmm. She decides to accept the money, but then says, fuck it. I'm not going to do any work for them. Mm-hmm. The Germans took all of my stuff. Yeah, so I'm yeah. going to take this money and go back to France. Mm-hmm. This is going to come back to bite her in the Cow. end. So okay. she is making her way back to Paris and has a pit stop in England where every member aboard the ship is inspected by English agents. 
And it was noted that she was really like attractive and bold and brash. And she spoke seven languages or something. Mm-hmm. So she's just this, this really smart mm-hmm. out there woman. And the UK, they're like, hmm, she's not above suspicion. There's something about her. We think she could be a spy oh, or something. Okay. And so they alert French officials mm-hmm. and they say, you're not allowed back in the UK. For whatever reason, they just, okay. they're like, we have a feeling about this one. Okay. She's up to no good. So finally, she can leave the UK. She heads back to Paris. Okay. And the French Bureau now knows who she is. I mean, they've known who she was. How mm-hmm. could you not know sure. who Matahari was? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, and first, I didn't say how she got her name. It means Eye of the Dawn in Indonesian. And okay. that she kind of just adopted that name when she started mm-hmm. to, she needed a stage name in Paris. Mm-hmm. So now the French Bureau um, is kind of following her footsteps to see what she's up to. And they couldn't really find anything okay? because, you know, she's just a woman. She's not really doing anything. <laughs> just took yeah, the money and Yeah, like ran. she's just like a <laughs> performer Yeah, just hanging around. Like, okay. In Paris, she meets Vladimir Demosloff. Yeah, who she did. Was... <laughs> of course she did. Vlad. We love a Vlad. <laughs> And he was, I think, some Russian aristocrat, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they fall in love. And it's speculated that he's the only guy that she ever really loved in her life. Okay. He proposes and she accepts. But Mm -hmm. he is called back to war. And I think he must be fighting for France because he's called to the Western Front in France. Okay. She wants to go with him, but she needs papers in order to allow her to do this. Mm -hmm. Documents permitting her to go. Why would you want to go to a front? Yeah, I don't know. I guess... If you're not in the army. I think she has issues with men and probably like putting all of her happiness onto this guy finally. Yeah, yeah. Her dad abandoned her. Her husband was Mm -hmm. trash human. Maybe there's something there. And so now she finally found someone who is amazing. Mm -hmm. That's just my speculation. Yeah. An old lover named Jean Haller comes into play and he works for the War Department in France. She reaches out to be like, help me, how can I? get these papers and he reports to a guy named captain ledoux jean god i keep saying jean jean arranged (laughs) for an appointment for matahari to meet with captain ledoux Mm -hmm. and they offer her a proposal keep in mind they probably know that she has quote-unquote suspicious behavior going on with the germans Mm -hmm. maybe they want her to become a double agent and work for them instead of germany okay maybe they don't believe her at all maybe they're just trying to you know keep your enemies close type of thing Mm -hmm. and so they offer her a proposal it's to seduce again use (gasps) your sexy ways okay (laughs) to seduce and get secrets from high-ranking German officials who are located in neutral countries. Travel around and gather what you can. In exchange, we'll give you your papers to go to the Western Front, Mm -hmm. and we'll give you 1 million francs, which is $3 million in today's money. Okay. And as someone who can only rely on herself and Vlad's family are Mm. aristocrats, and it was speculated that because he wanted to marry her, they would have cut him off. Oh, sure. Because she wasn't worthy of Mm -hmm. marrying their son. Mm -hmm. She's just thinking, I need money for us to live, basically, Mm -hmm. for the rest of our lives. And you can do that with $3 million. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ledoux instructs her to wait 
and says, you'll get your instructions soon. You're going to go to The Hague and then you're going to go to Spain. Okay. But the instructions never came. And it's maybe because they were stringing her along and the money never came either. So maybe they were testing her. It's kind of hard to know what was happening. Sure. So she sends a letter to Ledoux saying, like, what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. Can I have some payment up front? But, you know, it's just crickets on his end. She decides to just go about it herself because she's just desperate for this money. Mm -hmm. So she goes on her journey. She's like, okay, I'm going to go to The Hague and to Spain and see what I can do. Okay. On her way, she stopped in England. So I don't, it must be pretty common. You know, you're on a boat and you, you dock in England or something. Okay. You know, she's not allowed to be there. Mm. And so they bring her in for questioning and they keep her in London <laughs> okay. because, so this is November 1916 now. Okay. And MI5 keep her in London because they're trying to figure out, are you Mata Hari or are you Clara Benedicts, who was a known German agent at the time? Oh, okay. They think she's someone else, but they know, they're like, these women are both suspicious, but Clara is an actual spy that we know of. Oh, okay. Whatever. So that stalls mm -hmm. some time. The Brits contact Ledoux in France. Mm-hmm. And he says, send her to Spain. What is his game here? That doesn't make That's any weird. sense. Does he care? Mm -hmm. So weird. MI5 suspects that Ledoux know, knew the whole time that she was working for the Germans, allegedly, mm -hmm. and only pretended to employ her. You know, now she's in the Brits' hands. And okay. it's like up to them to do whatever yeah, they want yeah. with her. And he's just trying to get rid of her, basically. Yeah. For whatever reason, in London, they decide to just let her go. Okay. She's like, great, I'm going to go to Spain. I'm going to do this on my own, and I'm going to try and get this money from France. She sets to work in Madrid and spends a few days in the bed, allegedly, Ooh. of German diplomat Arjun Arnold von Kahl. And he let it slip that the, and literally after three days in bed with her, yeah. let it slip Just that the German Navy was planning... Secrets. Yeah, just putty top in secret, her hands. Top secret yeah. information. How did she get that out? Did she just ask? <laughs> He's just like, oh, well, let me tell you. Oh, God. Um, An inspiration. He tells her okay. that <laughs> the German Navy were planning a submarine landing in Morocco, which was a French colony at mm -hmm. this time. So she alerts Ledoux, mm -hmm. and he doesn't respond. He probably doesn't trust her. Yeah, yeah. She seeks advice on this from another French lover of hers. Oh, and he's okay. like, keep pushing, keep seeing what else you can get from Carl. Yeah. Which was a mistake. Ooh, okay. Because Carl gets suspicious and mm. decides to act. He tells the German Secret Service, and they send a radio message to Berlin from Madrid. Mm-hmm saying get rid of her something needs to be done about this oh woman God. okay they were pissed that she was a double agent she took twenty thousand francs from them what two years prior mm. never did any work and now she's yeah. trying to get some se military secrets for mm. the opposite side mm -hmm. this code that they send to berlin from oh, no. madrid mm -hmm. is a code that they knew had already been cracked by France. Okay. And they did it on purpose so that France could read what it was. And then France would also get pissed saying, what? So she did work for the Germans for sure. Oh, because okay. the Germans are pissed. She's a double agent. Yikes. I know. In way over her head. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You can manipulate men to a certain degree in normal life, which is what she was doing yeah, for yeah. years before, mm-hmm. you know, sleeping around, getting money, getting gifts, whatever. Yeah. Now it's too much and mm-hmm. there's a war going on. Mm-hmm. So the crazy thing here is that no one wants to deal with her. The Germans are trying to get in trouble, her in trouble with the French. Yeah. The French are trying to pawn her off on the Brits. They all think she's suspicious. Okay. But not serious enough, I guess, until this point. So the Germans sent that code, the French crack it, and now the French can arrest her. But she doesn't know this, obviously. Yeah. So she goes back to Paris in early 1917. And she goes and demands her money. Mm -hmm. They, in turn, arrest her for being an agent for the Germans. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was put on trial for three months. Three months? Yeah. Wow. It's very clear they were just trying to use her as a scapegoat. Yeah. She was blamed for the deaths of 50,000 French soldiers. It's just because they they were like failed battles. Yeah. Here's a great person to blame Stefan. You know, she was giving information to the Germans and that's how they found out where these French troops were and then they killed them. Okay. So it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. Where obviously, realistically, she was just trying to get some money. Yeah. And didn't give a shit about the Germans. Yeah. She just wanted to take their money and left. Yeah. And on July 27th, 1918, she was sentenced to death Mm. for treason. So on the morning of October 15th, she was taken out to be killed in front of a firing squad. Legend says that she blew them all a kiss and handed them all chocolates. (sighs) And she was wearing like one of her nicest suits, Mm -hmm. gave no emotions, refused to be blindfolded. Wow, that's big. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Mm-hmm. And this is a quote from a man who was there. Mm-hmm. By God, this lady knows how to die. Oh, that gave me chills. I know. Oh, what a shame. They just were hating on her so badly yeah. and they were just desperate. To blame anyone. And, and she was an easy yeah. target. Yeah, yeah. So that was her wild life that ended so sadly. That's wild. But. I do have a fun little few things to mention. Okay. There actually is, I think it's it was 1931, movie called Matahari starring Greta Garbo. Oh. Which I haven't maybe seen. Maybe that's but... what I'm, that's my reference for maybe, it, maybe. Maybe. Okay. There's also, a, it's on Prime, I think. I didn't watch it because it's like a 12 episode series on Matahari from 2016. Oh. The guy who plays her husband, Captain McLeod, is mm-hmm. John Corbett. Oh, Aiden? <laughs> Aiden in Sex and the City. Yeah. <laughs> so so random. random. And I was trying to find footage of the real Matahari dancing because how mm. fun. Yeah, I mean, how this fun. is over 100 yeah. years ago. There's a clip of her on the street. You can mm-hmm. see her. But there was a clip. This all is like a weird full circle thing. Okay. So there was a clip from the 2016 show where she's dancing in this tiny little bra. Mm-hmm. And it's on a mirrored floor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is just like the Beyonce partition music oh. video. Do you remember that? When she's like in that little skull mm-hmm. yeah. bedazzled oh my God, cap. Yes. It was just like that. And so I was that's like, the this... reference, probably. And I was like, is this done on purpose? Was Matahari an inspiration for this video? Yeah. So 
so I just was Googling these things. And Beyonce has partnered up in the past with this designer, Peter Dundas. Oh, Dundas, know. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dundas. Didn't I never yeah, heard yeah. of him, Dundas? Mm-hmm. And he was really inspired by Erte, who is a Russian born French artist who I'm sure if you mm-hmm. saw his work, okay. you would recognize Wait, it. Is it kind of, no, is it like Deco? Yes. Yes. He, okay. Yes. Yeah. 100%. I can hear my, my friend Jen screaming right now. <laughs> She's, she, I, th- Sorry, I, think Jen. This, I think this is like, I think she loves this artist. Does he do posters? Yes. yes. Okay. So, yes. I know exactly. Yeah. Okay. Spelled E R T E, but it's Erte. Okay. He has done covers. Well, back in the day, did covers for like Harper's Bazaar. Yes, exactly. Like Art Deco type. Yes. Okay. Um, I know exactly. Drawings. Yes. Okay. He first gained recognition as a fashion designer working in Paris because he designed Mata Hari's outfits. Okay. Isn't that amazing? That's fun. Yeah. So all of her fun little metallic beaded bras mm-hmm. and things like that, and these crazy headdresses mm-hmm. were all designed by Erte, who mm-hmm. then influenced a designer who then dressed Beyonce, and she looked just like Matahari in a music oh, video. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> I was like, this is just so fun. Like, a hundred yeah. years have passed. Yeah. So I just thought that was a very cute little connection between all of it. Mm. What a shame, but really a wild ride. Yeah. I love her. But also <laughs> that know, sucks. I feel for her. It sucks mm-hmm. so bad just to be used as a pawn, really. Yeah. And then be blamed for it all. Mm-hmm. You know, classic story of women throughout history. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> like, mm, just, I'm just in, a little enraged over here. <laughs> yeah. It's a tough time right now. Because we're recording this, like, we only have days until the election, and everyone is very triggered, so I don't know what's Mm going to happen, but pray for us. So distract me, Kate. Okay. What do you have for me? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Nothing bad happens in my topic. So you told me your topic was the Netherlands, so I was like, that's like a a folk tale. (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> That's so cute. Yay. Well, because I was like really scared you were going to do cheese or something. And I was like, I can't do cheese. Cheese. <laughs> That's cute. My favorite's Gouda. <laughs> <laughs> um, my fairy tale or folk tale is called Little Boy Who Wanted More Cheese. <laughs> oh, oh no. I hope things go well for him. <laughs> Klaas van Brummel was a Dutch boy who was 12 years old, and he lived where cows are plentiful. His appetite was always good, and his mother declared his stomach had no bottom. His hair was halfway between a carrot and a sweet potato. So Klaas was a farmer's boy. He had rye bread and fresh milk for breakfast. At dinner time, besides cheese and bread, he was giving given a plate heaped with boiled potatoes and then he would dip it in butter oh that's my dream meal bread cheese (laughs) i know at supper he had bread and skim milk twice a week the children enjoyed a bowl of bonnie clabber 
or cheese curds, which I, I guess is a, oh, a thing, with great. a little brown sugar sprinkled on top. But every meal, there was cheese, usually in thin slices, mm-hmm. which the boy did not think were thick enough. <laughs> there was always... Oh God, I <laughs> there was always plenty to eat at the Van Brummel's house. Stacks of rye bread, a yard long and thicker than a man's arm. <laughs> the loaves of dough were put into the oven once a week, and baking was a great event at the Van Brummel's. No men folks were allowed in the kitchen on that day unless they were called no. in to help. And Amen. as, as... <laughs> all men are trash. <laughs> well, they're get out, get out of my kitchen. <laughs> so, as for the milk pails and pans, filled and emptied scrub or set in the sun every day to dry and the cheeses piled up in the pantry they seemed ready enough to feed a small army but class always wanted more cheese in in other ways he was a good boy obedient at home always ready to work on the cow farm and diligent in school but on the table he never had enough Sometimes his father laughed and asked him if he had a well or a cave underneath his jacket. (laughs) One night, Klaus was in his bed, put his carrot hair on his pillow. Sweet, sweet Klaus. And gentle breeze was blowing from the pine trees from the sandy slopes not too far away of wheat. So Klaus climbed up on the stool to sniff the sweet piney odors. He thought he saw lights dance underneath the tree. It seemed to whisper in his ear, and as it moved by, it looked like a hundred fireflies had united under their cold light into one lamp. The voice whispered, mm-hmm. come with us, there's plenty of cheese. <gasps> <laughs> and he was really hesitant to go because he had heard stories of fairies, but he pushed it all out of his mind just because he loved cheese so much so he went downstairs and put on his wooden shoes careful to be very very quiet because wooden shoes can be very loud (laughs) so he followed the light of fairies Mm -hmm. to the fairy ring to dance so they danced and danced and they started to feed him all of these cheeses all of these cheeses he could ever dream of there was red balls from Adam, the pink and yellow spheres from Hauda or Gouda, Ooh, and mm-hmm. the gray loaf-shaped ones from Leiden. Down the vista of sand the pine- into the pine woods, he looked, and oh, the horrors! There was the tallest <gasps> and strongest of the fairies rolling along the huge round flat cheeses from Friesland, <laughs> which I, I had to look up, which like... Yeah, I don't know. Apparently, that. it's huge. The um, okay. He thought that it could feed an entire regiment. The fairies trundled along the heavy discs of cheese as if they were playing with hoops. They shouted <laughs> for him to dance and try these cheeses. All these farm cheeses, factory cheeses, Alkmaar cheeses, which I guess is a wow. cheese cheese market. Oh. And the crown of all cheeses, the Limburg cheese, which Klaus never really liked because he could never stomach the strong odor of this cheese. Oh, too smelly. I think you're the better, Klaus. Too smelly. <laughs> As the cheeses were stacked high and made a wall of cheese. 
and he thought he couldn't stomach any more cheeses and the fairies didn't understand this because they're magical and they can eat all the cheeses that they want right. and he was getting so <laughs> ill he thought that he was gonna burst he groaned and groaned because he was so full and then he realized that the stacks of cheeses were getting so high surely <gasps> if this falls over i'm going to die stuffed full of cheese <laughs> yeah. and so the walls eventually did fall down thank God, because he thought he would explode from eating too much cheese. He didn't die. He woke up in the fairy ring, covered in dew, eating grass. <laughs> oh my God, that was adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and he was saved from eating too much cheese. What's the point of that story, but I love it. <laughs> it really, like, what is the, maybe to not be so naughty and... Gluttonous for yeah, don't cheese, be a glutton. expensive cheese. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that know. was cute. Yeah, I got it all from worldoftales.com. Yeah. I imagine he has a darling little knit sweater. Oh. With He's got his carrot designs. hair. Yes. So his little wooden cute. shoes. <laughs> All right, Kate, thank you for that delightful mm -hmm. tale. So I had a little friend write in. <gasps> yes, yay. To okay, us. perfect. Please. Um, well, I have a few Please stories, but this one is the first one that came in. So thank you so much for writing in. This is from my friend Dro Adriano. I studied okay. abroad with Dro in Rome. He is Brazilian Italian, so he. It's just so fun. Love Dro. <laughs> miss Dro. He lives in Brazil, so we miss him dearly. So he said, So this was the summer 2008, a couple months before I met Kate in Rome, back when I was a university student in Akron, Ohio, where I had been since 2006. I <laughs> decided to spend the summer traveling before studying for a semester in Rome. I had been traveling through Europe and basically decided he'd goes into it and I'll edit it down but basically decides to go to Paris by himself. It was his first experience traveling alone and it was exciting and scary mostly because I had no experience planning trips etc because this is 2008 so not common to have smartphones mm -hmm. and internet access everywhere my yeah. shitty cell phone wouldn't even make calls to other countries so back then you literally had to navigate by asking directions or looking at an actual paper map so anyways, I was staying in hostels to save money. I would take overnight trains and sleep between cities. Everything was going fine until I had to make a change of plans in Barcelona. It's the morning before I take an overnight train to Paris. I hadn't purchased tickets yet and found out the ticket was too expensive. It was like 148 euros, which is really, it's a lot. That is a lot. So I decided to look for flights and found a Ryanair ticket for that same night for 50 euros. I booked it immediately. And now since I wasn't going to spend the night in the train as I had planned, I had to find a place to stay in Paris just hours before arriving there. Of course, I couldn't find anything. All the hostels were full. He's like, I, I could find something when I get there. Yeah. As soon as he arrives in the airport, it was already late around 11 p.m. The very last bus left from the airport, so he didn't have much time to, like, think about a plan. So he just, like, he's like, fuck it, just boards the bus. Get on the bus, get me into yeah. the city. When he finally arrives in Paris, it's past midnight. He has no idea where the bus dropped, <laughs> dropped them off. <laughs> You, you know, you can't check your phone. Like, he asked yeah. some people oh my God. where they were going. And, yeah, like, everyone 
wasn't really helping. Yeah, the bonchance. Yeah, kid. and he said it was a <laughs> kind of like a residential area. You can't go find yeah. a cafe to sit in or like anything like that. So he was walking through this these really dark, creepy streets thinking I'm going to get mugged or something until I found a subway station. I go in and it's very small, kind of weird looking subterranean passage with just one electronic ticket booth and one turnstile for access. So I'm pretty scared to be in there and try to buy a ticket, but I have no cash to make things better. So I try my credit card from the U.S. and it doesn't work either. He said, even if someone came by, I don't even speak French. So like, how the fuck? You know? And so it's probably almost 1 a.m. when a group of three people walk into the small station, one guy and two girls. They come forward to the ticket booth and wait behind me. I eventually give them give up trying to use my card and step away from them to use it. So this guy buys his ticket and comes toward me and asks, where are you from? And I say, Brazil. And he goes, but where do you live? I thought, how does he know I don't live in Brazil? (laughs) So I said, I live in the U.S. And he goes, but where? And I'm thinking, where is this going? So I answered Ohio. And he's like, oh, that explains why you have a credit card from the 53rd bank. I saw you using it at the booth, and I thought you must also be from Ohio. So I said, wow, what a coincidence. We're in Ohio. Where are you from? And he's like, I'm from Cleveland. He's like, I go to the University of Akron. I was like, what? I also go there. So (laughs) we're all going through this like crazy coincidence. I mean, Akron is so random. You meet in Mm -hmm. a metro in Paris at 1 a.m. At 1 in the morning in this weird one. Yeah. Wow. And they were like, well, what are you doing right now? Like, it's really late. And he told them about the situation, and they bought him a ticket and take him back to their hotel where they were staying. And they said that they they had just left their friend's house to go back to the hotel, and they were the only people to come by that station at that time. They literally saved me. (laughs) And he said, "To to make this coincidence better, when I got to the hotel... They had a room for me. I was hoping it was not too expensive, but at the time I was so relieved I would accept anything. So the price for the night was 98 euros, and that was the exact difference between the train ticket and the plane (gasps) ticket. So it was almost like you were saving 98 euros by taking a risky path. (laughs) So since you saved, you have to like give those. (laughs) So it all made no difference. Yeah. We would do risky shit like that all the time. Oh my God. I would never. Are you kidding? By yourself. I, I, well, no. Yeah. By myself. No. One night, this is not a story. This is just something stupid, really stupid I did. Like we didn't Mm -hmm. have a a place to stay in Barcelona one night. So we just walked around and we went to like, (laughs) we went, we went, we went to like the (laughs) Olympic stadium area which was sketchy uh-huh. as fuck like yeah why did i can we go imagine there? and you're with yeah. your like backpack trudging yeah so stupid <laughs> it's like you imagine it to be like before sunrise oh. and... <laughs> it's not I that <laughs> let's just walk around for hours and sleep in a park and be fine it's fine it's not fine <laughs> crazy story <laughs> says the narrator Thank you, Joe, so much for writing that in. That is so weird. Universe, I know. Crazy plans. Yeah. (laughs) No, don't do that again, please. I know. (laughs) Okay, Kat, do you have a recommendation? 
Yes, I do. And it's kind of a silly one. Okay. <laughs> it's just the recipe. Kate knows that I made this probably a couple weeks ago. Mm. I made a Colcannon recipe <gasps> from yes! Bon Appetit. And I want to do it. I didn't know what Colcannon was until, I don't know, the past couple of years, probably. It sounds lame, but you guys, everyone needs to make this recipe mm-hmm. this winter. It's just mashed potatoes with leeks and cabbage. Mm. But I could have eaten the whole thing. You like caramelize the leeks, mash the potatoes, caramelize the cabbage, and you mm. mix all together. And then you put in some fresh cabbage at the end. So there's still a crunch. Shut up. And there's oh, butter yum. and salt. Oh my Cozy. God. It was so good. And I keep thinking about it. And I think I'm going to have to make it again pretty soon because it was so amazing. I don't like that. But yeah, a delicious <laughs> Irish. This yeah. week. Make it an amazing mm. Irish Colcannon recipe. Yeah. Vegetarian and decadent. So mm. I highly recommend. What do you have for me? Okay, so my recommendation is I'm getting kind of freaked out about this because it's getting extremely low. <laughs> but it <gasps> is the Caudalie Vine Active overnight detox oil and I use it every day and I kind of really put it yeah and I kind of put it on like during the day like lighter I've never it kind of has a little smell I feel like it's a product that's kind of like under the radar a little bit and you know I just love an oil a face oil so can you tell me um, the name again it's their overnight detox oil the caudalie okay it says for all face types or face types all skin types If you look like Shrek, you can use this too. (laughs) I didn't even realize. I was like, that's nice. Okay, we can all use it. (laughs) We absolutely love Caudalie. Their rose perfume is really delicious too, and their body oil. Mm. Yes. Lovely. Okay, so I'll end our little Dutch week with a little Dutch word. It's called Mulpier. And the direct translation means mouth pair. Oh. It means a slap in the face. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> That's good. I thought it was fun. Mulpier. Mulpier. Sassy. <laughs> Ooh, great one. Mouth pair. Little fun Kate word. That's yeah. like <laughs> Oh, that's so you to pick another. Yeah. Mouth pair. Yeah. Well, thank you it. so much, everyone, for listening. Thank, thank you, you so Kate, much. for that little tale. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to go Cat. Love powder. it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Until next week. Ciao. Ciao.